out. It's nice to see you guys tonight. Glad you joined us for youth group. Um, as always, just glad you guys are here. Um, I think I've met everybody in the room. My name's Dan. If I have not met you, and I'm just listening to me, you guys. I'm really glad that you guys showed up tonight because it shows that you guys are interested in learning about God. You love God. I know I like to think that everybody shows up every Wednesday night because of me, but that's not true. And everybody doesn't show up every Wednesday night probably because of me is what I think. So anyways, it's nice to see you guys. I'm glad you're here tonight. We're going to finish up our series that we've been going through, this idea of just do it. And tonight, as we sang those songs, I just kept thinking to myself, when you sang the songs tonight and you looked at the words on the screen, here's what I would ask you. Do you believe those words? Do you believe what we sang tonight? Do you believe that in the depths of your heart? Or are they just words on the screen that you're trying to learn about this guy named Jesus? If you really believe the words on the screen tonight, tonight's message should make a lot of sense to you. And it should challenge you a little bit because we're going to finish up our last night of this Just Do It series. This is week five. I don't know that I've ever done five weeks in a row on a series. But tonight we're going to clean this thing up and finish it up. And it's going to be about going. It's going to be about going and telling the world about this guy named Jesus, about the guy that we just sang about tonight, and hopefully that you believe the words on the screen. So, you know, the first week we covered of Just Do It, we covered, remember, the, Jesus turned the water into wine. That's when we've seen his first signs. We start to realize that he does miracles, that he is God in flesh, God incarnate, basically is what that means. <clears throat> so we got Jesus showing up, turning the water into wine, making a miracle out of that. And uh, the second week, does anybody remember what the second week was? The most, the most important thing that we've got to do as Christians or as people, be born again, right? We have to be born again, otherwise we will not see the kingdom of heaven according to Jesus. Everyone who has not been born again will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Everyone that is born again will inherit the kingdom of heaven. Then the third week we talked about this, the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And we learn to do that is a commitment that we have to make him Lord of our lives. And we got to follow him with all of our heart. Week four was love your neighbor as yourself. That's what we talked about last week. And I think out of all of those, personally, for me, loving your neighbor as yourself is probably the most challenging one for me. Because it's something that I have to, because I love God, I love my neighbor. If I don't love God with all my heart, <clears throat> I'm really not going to care that much about my neighbor. Makes sense? And I'm not going to show them their love. And we talked about this last week. Well, actually, I think week three and week four, we talked about this idea of <clears throat> that in Romans 5, 8, we see that God demonstrates in love, his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And we talked about this idea, and I challenge you guys with the idea of how do you demonstrate your love to God? If God demonstrates his love for us in this, Romans 5, 8, says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Shouldn't that cause us, there's a cause and effect there, God went first, shouldn't that cause us to love God with all of our hearts, to demonstrate our love for him in the idea of loving him with all of our heart, but we demonstrate this idea of how do we love God by loving our neighbors as ourselves. We're going to also see tonight, staying with that vein of God demonstrates his love for us, how do we demonstrate our love for him, and tonight we're going to look at this idea of the great commission it's called, and it's going to look at the idea of go and make disciples of all nations. And we're going to talk about going tonight. And I want to challenge you guys with this because I think this is a very powerful thing because this is one of the last things Jesus says to his disciples while he's here on earth before his ascension. But as always, i got a question for you to talk about at your small group tables first. And the question I have for you is this. It's very simple tonight. Have you ever shared your faith with someone? 
Have you ever shared your faith with someone else? If you have, great. Explain the details of that. And if you haven't, why not? Talk about that at your table, and we'll come back up here in just a minute and get back into the message. Okay, I know you guys will be frustrated with me because I'm cutting you off short tonight, but I want to give you guys more time in your small groups tonight as we finish up. So I'm going to cut this one a little bit short, and I want to get into the message because this is, very, this is a very important message that we've got here tonight, and I think a lot of people lose sight of the fact of what the Great Commission is and what it isn't. So I want to give you guys a little bit of an idea of what we see here is in Matthew chapter 28 in Scripture, you see Jesus being resurrected from the dead. You see Mary Magdalene showing up at the tomb, a great earthquake, the stones rolled away, Mary Magdalene, and it says the other Mary showed up, and the angel was there, and they're, they're talking to him, and Jesus is not here, he's been raised from the dead, there's victory, he holds the keys over death and Hades now, he's been raised from the dead by the Spirit of God, and the angel tells Mary and Mary, go back to the disciples and tell them what's happened, and tell, the, tell them to go to Galilee and wait for me there, that's what Jesus tells them, okay, so they go off to Galilee, which we'll see in just a second, it also talks about in Matthew 28, about in that chapter, about the guards report, where they lied about the whole event with the resurrection, and that story is still told today. If you're interested in that, go to Matthew 28 and read that, and you'll know the details on that. So that's what we see as we get into this. But you'll see, see my highlighting that I got in my Bible right here? That's how important this little bitty section of Scripture is. This is a very important chapter, you guys, that we're looking at. So what I want to do is I'm going to read Matthew chapter 28, and I'm going to read verses on your paper. It's, not, it's 18 through 20, but I'm going to read 16 through 20 because I think it kind of puts things into context, okay? So Jesus tells Mary and Mary, go back, tell the disciples, go to Galilee, wait for me there. And you know what they did? They did what he told them to do. Is that not the whole theme of what we've been talking about since week one? Whatever he tells you to do, do it. And we see the disciples doing exactly that right here in the scripture. So in 20, Matthew 28, verse 16, it says this. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. Have you done today what Jesus has told you to do? We've been talking about this over and over, and I'm going to stay on this theme this year, because if we know what to do and we do it, we are his disciples and we're following him. So they went and did what he said, and when they saw Jesus, they worshipped him. So they gathered together. Sound familiar tonight? They gathered together, and what did they do? They worshipped him. Jesus has been raised from the dead, and he shows up with these guys on this mountain. And what are you going to do with Jesus if he's been raised from the dead? You're going to worship him. You're going to be stunned and amazed, but here's what's really weird. But some of them doubted. Some of the 11 that were there, does anybody remember why there's only 11 and not 12 now? Cameron? Judas betrayed Jesus and ended up hanging himself. So there's not 12 disciples anymore. There's only 11 here because one did not do what Jesus said to do, and it ended up costing him his life. Spiritually, if we don't do what Jesus tells us to do, it will cost you. There will be consequences if you don't follow him. But this idea that some doubted, I went in and I, I thought, that sounds strange to me. Here they are worshiping him, but they doubted. That word there means something a little bit different in the Greek. It's defined as they hesitated. They, they didn't doubt who he was, that he's a resurrected king. He's Jesus Christ who came back from the dead. They didn't doubt that. They just hesitated for a second. And it's okay in our life if we see Jesus telling us to do something and we pause to make sure that it's his voice, to make sure this is what he wants us to do. But they doubted, it says. And going on, then Jesus came to them and then he said, all authority in heaven and earth 
has been given to me. So because Jesus has been raised from the dead, the Great Commission is really this. It's a victory cry. The Great Commission is an absolute victory cry from, from a Christian's perspective. We serve a resurrected Savior. We talked about this before. We are the only religion, the only ism in the world that's ever been created or thought of by man. It's not thought of by man to be a Christian, but do you realize the one we worship is alive right now as we speak? The other ones are dead. This is a big deal. This Great Commission is a victory cry for Christians. But he told him, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. <clears throat> Therefore, go and make disciples in all, of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Again, whatever he says to do, do it. We're wrapping this up this week with this one because it is such a victory cry because these guys have done what Jesus has told them to do. Have you, as you live your life, have you done the same thing? And he says, and surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. There's a couple of things I want to drag, drag out of this tonight, and I'm just going to use the words that Jesus used. The very first thing you see here is it says to go and make disciples. In verse 19a, if you go to that first one, Dylan, go ahead to the next one. Is that right? There you go. Thank you. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. This means this, this word go. I want to look at a one word go for a second. This word goes means, go means this. While you are living your life, while you are walking along being a Christian in your everyday experience, go with intentionality. Go with purpose to make disciples of all nations. You're not just wandering through life as a Christian. You're going with an intentionality of making disciples because that's what Jesus tells us to do. It's really translated, this participle go is really translated this. You must go. Jesus says in John 13, 35, a new command I give you that you must love one another as I have loved you. Here you see the same thing. This idea is you must go and make disciples. Why wouldn't we? Let me ask it that way. If we stood here and sang those songs tonight about this guy named Jesus, about our Lord and Savior, why wouldn't we want to go and tell people about him? Because we get ourselves in the way. And we'll talk about that a little bit more here in a minute. But this idea is really is, is we're supposed to be as we're going, we talk about him, we live for him, we we tell people about him, and that's, we spread the good news of the, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But the next one is, it says, make disciples. What is a disciple? A disciple, the word really means this, to be a learner or a follower. That's what the word disciple means. So if you're learning about the things of Jesus in here tonight, you are a disciple. What I would tell every student in this room tonight, and those that come to youth group on a regular basis, you're a disciple. Because you're following him. You're learning. You're a follower. Being a disciple, though, I want you guys to hear this. Being a disciple means more than just being saved. It means more than just being a convert. It means more than I've just, I've said a prayer. I've given my life to Jesus. I've been forgiven of my sin, and I'm good to go. No, being a disciple, a follower, means more than just being saved. The principle is this. A disciple is committed to a teacher, identifies himself with a teacher, learns from and lives with and for the teacher. <clears throat> now listen, 
as you're in here tonight, you're learners, but are you followers in this manner? I'm going to read it again. Are you committed to a teacher? Think about Jesus. As your rabbi, are you committed to him? Do you identify with him in the way you live? Do you learn from him with lives, and do you, do you live your life with him and for him? Do you? you got to ask yourself these things because this is such good news. This is a victory cry that we get tonight. But you guys have got to make sure that you understand to be a disciple is deeper than this. A disciple learns not simply just by listening, but by doing. The Bible says this in the book of James. For him who knows what to do and doesn't do it, to him it is sin. Those aren't my words. Those are the Bible's words. So if we know what to do, every Wednesday night and every Sunday, I learn about what to do, but I don't put it into practice. For him, it is sin. Or for her, it is sin. Because that's how the Bible breaks it down. I want to look at it this way. The central command of making disciples is this. Now listen here, okay? At the heart of the mission is, the re is to reproduce in others what Jesus has done in us. So in other words, we're supposed to duplicate ourselves. I got a question for you guys tonight to think about. And leaders too. If the idea of making disciples is to reproduce what Jesus has done in us, are you reproducible in the Lord's eyes? Are you living your life in such a manner to where how you're following God and what you're doing, not being perfect, but your commitment is there, are you reproducible? Would you want someone else to have the same Christian walk that you've got tonight? sitting in your seat? I would like to think yes, but that's a question that we got to let God search our hearts on, and if not, we adjust course, we bring him glory in what we do. But are you reproducible? Can you imagine today, today's church is a little bit different than back in this day, because I want to make it very clear, back in the day that we're talking about, to keep it into context, today, in church today, we hire pastors, me, we hire preachers to share the gospel we bring people to youth group, and we expect me to save them. You expect me to tell them about Jesus. I'm glad to do it, don't get me wrong, but in the day when this was penned, that's not how it worked. Everybody was supposed to be doing this, whether you were a priest or a farmer or a, a shepherd, whatever it was, everybody in that day shared the gospel. See, in church today, we lose sight of the fact that I want you guys to get this to students um, you guys are out there every day at the crossroads. In high schools and leaders, you're out with jobs, right? Where am I at? Here at the church. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm not out in the community doing FCA, meeting people, whatever that is, but you guys are the ones. I remember when I was just a, a lay person at a church, I used to think, you can't put the pressure on a pastor to fill the church seats. That's up to the congregation to do. You guys are at the crossroads. You're the ones talking to Jesus on an everyday basis in the hallways of your school. You are the ones inviting your friends to youth group, inviting your friends to FCA. Does that make sense to you guys? Because we get stuck in this idea today that it's all up to the pastor. It's all up to the church. It's all up to the preacher. No, it's not. Not according to this. Yes, the pastor plays an important role in this by you guys bringing him in and teaching, but we teach you so that you can teach others. Do you realize that? That we're teaching you every Wednesday night so that you can take this, live it, learn it, and then go teach somebody else about it. That's why we do this every Wednesday night. It's a process of multiplication. Think about this. Not just this youth group, but every church in Gillette, Wyoming. 
if you guys and adults got a hold of this concept that you're supposed to go make disciples, be a disciple, and then make disciples, can you imagine how many people would be coming to church? Churches would be full, wouldn't they? If all you guys got a hold of this and did this, think about it. All the, all the students are in this room tonight. If every one of you discipled one person, that's twice as many people that know the things about the Lord. That's why it's so important for you guys to get this idea that this isn't about me going and telling him. It's about you guys going and telling him because that's the context in which Jesus is talking about here. And I love the Lord because he always makes it clear. He makes it very clear how we're supposed to make disciples. Did you catch that? Go, talk to people about the Lord, right? neighbors, friends at school, and then you'll go into all the nations, eventually either by supporting missions at your church or going yourself. But he makes it very clear that we're supposed to go and then baptizing people and then teaching them everything he has commanded us. So if you want to know, how do you make a disciple, Dan? This is how you do it. You go, you tell people about Jesus, you build a relationship with them, you invite them to church, you invite them to youth group, then you keep learning and you disciple them along the way. And Jesus makes it very clear to his disciples and to us how we're to do this. And you're going to see this next week as we're baptizing a student next week in this room. So baptizing, but when you baptize, there's more to be done. So point number two is this. We baptize them. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I want to make it clear. What does baptism represent? It represents this. It's an outward expression of an inward work that God's done in my heart. In other words, baptism doesn't save me. We see that on the thief on the cross. The thief on the cross, Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. The thief on the cross was not taken down and baptized before he was with Jesus in paradise. But it does represent an outward expression of an inward work that God has done in my heart. I've given my life to Christ, and now I want to make it public. I want to stand before all of my peers and go, I'm making a choice to live for Christ and him alone. Because that's the other thing that it represents. It represents, um, it symbolizes submission to Christ and a willingness to live God's way. And a lot of people don't get baptized because they're not ready to make that deeper commitment yet, I think. And when you are, and if you are willing to and you want to do that, come talk to me. I'd be more than happy to come alongside you with that. But that's what that basically represents, to baptize the other thing you see here is you see the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I want to make sure you guys understand this, okay? Because Jesus said, Jesus said, baptize them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and the name of the Holy Spirit. And like it says in your notes, he didn't say in the names of God, in the names of the Son, in the, name of the, in the names of the Holy Spirit. We serve a God, one God three persons, and that's what's explained as the Trinity, and that's what you see it here, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's where Jesus says it, and that's how we do it yet today. Once you're a disciple, though, you enter into fellowship with Christ and a Christian community, you still need to be taught for the rest of your life the things about God. I'm taught every day and every week about Christ. I don't believe I will ever get to where I can say I'm right where I need to be with God. I love him, but I want to keep learning about him. I want to keep growing in him. I, that's why they call it a walk, not a stagnant standstill. We're going to keep growing and learning and, go, and going about the things of the Lord for the rest of our lives. And I want you guys to understand that. But when you're baptized, that doesn't mean you're good to go. That means that you've still got things to learn that Jesus has taught us. And then number three is this, teaching them. Teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. 
the disciples were taught, they need to be taught what it looks like to be a Christian. People need to be taught. We're not just going to do this just naturally, you guys, because we're selfish individuals. We got to know what it looks like to be a Christian and be in a Christian community and what that looks like to live that way as a disciple. It's not enough to just win people to Jesus. It's not enough to go out and say, okay, you're saved, you're good to go, see ya. No, when you lead someone to Christ, you're beginning a relationship with them. They've entered into the family of God. That's when we come alongside them and we make sure they're okay. We teach them what it looks like at school to live for Christ and we help them answer questions along the way. So it's not enough just to lead them into Christ. We've got to teach them the word of God as well. And that's why bringing them to youth group, you learning, you teaching, that all kind of plays a part in itself that way. 2 Timothy 3.16 says this, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and it makes us realize what is right and wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we do wrong and it teaches us what to do that is right. All scripture is, is God-breathed. Here's what I would say. The Bible is God's word to us. And it's going to teach us how to live this life out that he's called us to. But here's a key thing. I really, I really think this is pretty true. We teach and talk about what we obey. We aren't about to teach and talk about what we disobey with God. If I had a drinking problem, I would not come to you and say, God told you not to drink. If I had an issue with pornography, I would not come alongside you and try to teach you how not to be hooked on pornography. Make sense? We are going to teach what we obey. And what we don't obey, we're not going to teach. So if, you, if you're hung up with this, you've got to really stop and think about that. If I'm going to be a disciple, I've got to not just listen. I've got to do what it says. And then if I do what it says, I'll be willing to teach somebody else how to do that. That's what we call coaching, mentoring, all those type of things. And the last thing is this, Jesus' promise. He says this, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus, is, Jesus was with his disciples until Acts chapter 1, verse 9 through 11, when he ascended into heaven. When the disciples were watching him and he ascended into heaven and the angel said, why do you look at him as he's, why do you look up and see him there? Because he's going to come back the same way. He ascended into heaven, but he is going to return. I don't know when. Jesus said he didn't even really understand when. Only the Father knows when. But until then, he was with his disciples. Jesus is always in the midst where two or three are gathered together. In Matthew chapter 18, it says Jesus is always present and there. He's here tonight. I really believe God's presence is in this room tonight. Why? Because he said it is. So we know that with Acts 1.8 where he says, he tells him, he says, go into the world and teach and preach the gospel and share the truth. So here's what I would tell you. You are not alone. We sang about that earlier on the screen. Again, we sang it. Do you believe it? If you're a Christian, you're never alone because you've got the Holy Spirit of God that dwells with you. That's one of the, my favorite promises in Scripture. In John chapter 14, when Jesus tells the disciples, I am not going to leave you alone. I will not leave you as orphans. But when I go, the Father will send back the promise, the helper, the Holy Spirit of God, and when we say yes to God and we become Christians, the Holy Spirit of God dwells in me. I'm never alone. I love in the Old Testament, you see in Joshua 1.9, where God told Joshua, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. <clears throat> we serve the same God today as then. Then they had the pillar of the cloud and the fire at night. 
they had God go with them. He led them. He showed them the way. Today we have the same thing. Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. I, my father will send back the helper. So Jesus is always with us when we're sharing the truth. And the last thing is this. The disciples did not face a lost world in their own authority, you guys. They did not go out in their own authority, but in authority of Jesus Christ. So we got to do the same thing. If we really believe what we sang tonight, we really believe Jesus Christ is our Savior, then we have to go out and we've got to share the truth of the gospel with other people. That's why Jesus says, go and make disciples. Be discipled and go and make disciples. Learn the truth and go and teach the truth. Walk alongside other people. And you've got to realize you're not going in your own authority. You're going in the authority of Jesus Christ. And he said, I will always be with you till the very end of the age. Answer the small group questions at your tables and then we'll wrap it up here in just a minute. Okay, so you guys can get home and do your homework and get some rest. We've got to wrap this thing up. Or some pastors say, let's land this airplane. I'm not that guy. I don't fly airplanes. All right. Put it up on the screen, Dylan. All right, Hudson Taylor was a missionary that's got an incredibly amazing story on trusting God. So if you ever want to read about someone who is really, really interesting, Hudson Taylor has passed away. He's one to read. But he says this, the Great Commission is not an option to be considered. So what we talked about tonight is this, you have a free will, and you can do with this whatever you want to do. But I would encourage you guys to stick with the theme, whatever he tells you to do, do it. Do whatever he tells you. He's telling us tonight to go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Hudson Taylor makes it very clear years ago, the Great Commission is not an option to be considered. This is not an option for Christians. You guys, I would be amazed if the church listened to me. I, the government drives me crazy. But the government has to do what they're doing because we as believers won't do it. If every Christian on the planet tithed 10%, we wouldn't need government welfare. The church could do what the church is supposed to do. Take care of people. Take care of orphans and widows. But the church won't do what it's supposed to do because we won't do what Jesus tells us to do. I want us to be a youth group that does what he says to do. Why? Because I want you to. No. Because of the blessing you receive out of the obedience of following Christ. It'll change your life. You'll never be the same. But you've got to make the commitment to do it. And I don't care. You're young. But you can still make this commitment. This is not an age requirement. You don't have to be 21 to go do this. Some of you are already doing it, I know. But it is not an option to be considered. It is a command to be obeyed. And Jesus says, you are my friends. You are my disciples. If, if you do what I command then you're a disciple. Then you're a friend of Jesus. So are you just saved? Are you just a convert? Or are you a disciple? Because if you're a disciple, eventually you will find people that you will disciple. This is a command. And I want us to do whatever he tells us to do. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you're good. And I'm grateful, Lord, to have an opportunity to bring this truth out of your scripture tonight. But this is tough, Lord, because it is a command that we're supposed to do it. But I really want this to sink into us, Lord, that you told your disciples, and it echoes into our lives, Lord, that you will not leave us alone. You will be with us. Lo, I will be with you to the very end of the age. You're with us. You're the one encouraging us. You're the one opening up the doors that we might be a disciple, that we could disciple others. So may we be a youth group. May we be a church 
that is willing to go into all nations and make disciples. Nations are different. May we be a youth group and a church that is willing to talk to our neighbor because we love you with all of our hearts. When we love our neighbor as ourselves, we're willing to go and tell them about the gospel of Jesus Christ, that they may have that same relationship we have with you, and then we grow in you and we learn just how amazing and awesome you really are. So, Father, help us by the power of your Holy Spirit and by your grace and mercy to go live out what we learned tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Love you guys. Don't forget FCA tomorrow, Thunder Basin High School during lunch. Have a great night, everybody. See you next week.